Welcome to the Sales Hacks Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association. Bob Phipps, the retail doctor based in New York. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Okay, let's jump straight in. Today, we are talking about ways to kickstart lead generation in the retail sector. And we've got lots of really interesting things to go through. So firstly, can can you tell us how uh, retail sales reps can sell to different personality styles? I think first you have to know what your personality style is. Um, if you go to retaildoc.com and you can find the resource center, you can actually take a free personality quiz and it'll take you, I don't know, two or three minutes to do. But I think it's really important that you know what your personality style is. I'm a driver personality. I've kind of got a big, I'm kind of like, uh, uh, well, I'll be even um, like Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or uh, Gordon Ramsay or pretty much anyone on a uh, movie that's trying to kill the world or on Wall Street. Uh, it's a real ego-driven personality. It's got a lot of, I did this, I did this, I did this. And the downside of that is we can be pretty full of ourselves and we aren't necessarily team players. And so we also um, process information really quickly. So I would talk to another driver, kind of like, you know, an A goes to N, which goes to T and Z. And another driver is going to say, well, awesome. But an analytical is going to go, well, where's B? Where's C? Where's D? It's like, oh, you drive me crazy. But if I understand that, and there's three other, there's two other personalities uh, besides these two, then I understand that, okay, I need to talk the way they want to talk to me. I don't expect them to change to my style because when I was first starting out, I would alienate people. In fact, as even as when I was first starting speaking uh, 27 some years ago, my early speeches were all about me, how great I was, which in hindsight, I'm like, oh, thank God nobody hears me that way. But at the time, I thought that's what was supposed to happen. And then you realize, okay, so for for me to make a sale, I have to make room for them to be comfortable. And if I'm coming on like a Mack truck, I'm probably going to alienate mm, two-thirds of the people I come in contact with. So I think that personality styles in particular give you a chance to say, you know, I'm glad to know who I am, and I. but we have aspects of all four personalities in us already. How do I access that other one instead of just going with who I've always been? That's personalities covered. What about the, the generations? T- tell us a bit about cross-generational selling techniques. Well, I'm going to assume most of the people on this call are going to be high earners. Um, you know, we're not talking people who are working at Walmart, I wouldn't think, or the dollar store. So pretty much the more expensive your items are, the more you really have to understand uh, boomers and millennials. And I, I think the important thing to just realize is that the silent generation, which would be like my grandparents, these are people over 95, they were very thrifty. And then if you go to the next generation, which is my mom, and she's like in her 90s now, she's in, I don't know, um, but we call them the silent generation, and they are the boomers' parents, and they grew up in the Depression. So they, you know, when your spending patterns are determined when your formative um, years of how you spend money are when you're 16 to about 23, so they grow up in the Depression. They learn this, but they also come out of the Depression. So they 
they'll never forget that, but they um, they have a little window about the better life, and they kind of provided a little bit to it. But you know, I got one gift. I got some gifts at Christmas, and one for my birthday. There was no shut up toy in the supermarket. And now the baby boomers' kids, whether it's Gen X or millennials, have grown up with abundance all the time. So everything is available all the time. They are looking on a phone or they're texting or these other things. Where this usually comes into play is if you're managing them, here's the reality. Boomers still control most of the purse of luxury goods. And yeah, I get it. There's millennials who want to do it and they've got their parents' credit card. And I get that there's some of that. And I get that they can influence the the choice a little bit. But a lot of people are chasing millennials. And if you look at what I just told you about, we set, set our spending patterns from the time we're roughly 16 to 23, you realize they grew up right around the Great Recession. This is going to influence them forever. I mean, they're going to be closer to my my mom's parents about being thrifty because they have, if they have gone to college, they've got huge amounts of college debt. A third don't have credit cards. A third don't have driver's license. So um, I think spending a lot of time and looking at millennials as the same as boomers um, tends to be wrongheaded for me. Uh, boomers and Gen X still expect great experiences and they're willing to to pay for people who wait on them and realize what it took for them to have the money to do it. They aren't necessarily going to be um, checking their smartphone every five seconds to see if they can get a deal or a coupon or something like that. They're much more, they'll reward a great sales process, whereas millennials are not brand loyal. And the one thing we're learning about millennials, they're starting to call it generation generic because, um, you know, look at the growth of H&M and some of the these uh, teen retailers where it isn't about quality. It's about the look of quality, right? It's about plated. It's like, you know, you buy all the stuff to make a great dinner so you look like a chef, but you're not a great chef. And you buy the dress because it looks, you know, it's the newest design, but it only costs you $29. So you wear it once or twice and throw it out. It's a very different mindset than boomers. So I think just understanding in your when you're selling to people, um, don't discount the boomers. And more importantly, just understand that, that you could do a really great job with millennials. In fact, I frequently hear this now, and they have no problem pulling out their smartphone at the end of it and swiping it and saying, I'm going to order it online. So big challenges in selling between generations and certainly more than I can get into in a few minutes. In just a moment, we are going to switch focus and uh, talk a bit about the impact of online okay. uh, retail and the lessons that uh, can be taken back to the to the store floor. But before we do, let's just stay on the floor for a moment sure. longer. And I'd, I'd love to get your insights into something else that uh, maybe you can't quite figure out from the personality style or the generation, and that's that's the intent to buy. <laughs> how, how can how can those sales reps on on the floor figure out? If someone is there because they already have the information that they want and they're ready to make a buying decision, or maybe they're kicking the tires. Most people are coming in an awareness stage. They know they want something. They don't know what it is. And secondly, um, in consideration phase. So they're trying to decide between the red and the black or the upgraded version, the cheaper one. And so, you know, if you say, hi, can I help you today? You're really like talking to 10% of your customers, 85% of of search starts online before anyone gets in a store. So you get somebody in your store, that's a warm lead and it's yours to lose. Because if you look at just how much it takes for somebody to drive to a store, take the time out of your day, 
get in the car in the snow, the sun, the whatever, find a parking place, try to find the business and walk in. That's a real determination. In fact, I think studies are something like anywhere from 60 to 75% of people are inclined to want to buy something when they walk to a store. So it's yours to lose, but the idea that you're going to be able to go through and uh, qualify everybody, that's just silly. <laughs> you, you suggest that the retail industry is uh, letting online shopping win by trying to fight tech with tech rather than focusing on and fixing the in-person experiences that give brick-and-mortar stores real advantages. So what can be done? I think the great stores that are doing really well and having a fun time and enjoying it are doing the same with their employees. Their employees then create a better experience for their uh, shoppers and they realize it's all about how do I make a human connection in an increasingly devoid and cold world. You know, my, my big idea here is that people buy more when they feel they matter. It's that simple. And if you don't look at every nanosecond of an interaction, just like online is, just like Watson is doing on every website, you're probably going to miss it. And so to think that there is this one thing you're going to do, buy online, pick up in store, uh, has been a, a distraction because we've pretty much said that people don't matter. We are running headfirst into how do we not have to talk to a human being. We hire people who don't want to talk to human beings. And then we decry that all shoppers are on online. You know, we're going through a shopper revolt. People are saying, I'm not going to take 20 minutes on my day to meet better Betty. At the same time, uh, I think managers are kind of giving up because they're self scheduled. They're uh, being managed by labor scheduling. So they don't have time to train. And now most people in a retail store are charged with tasks to fill online orders and, and other things. You know, it's no mystery. The radical cutting edge to succeeding in brick and mortar retail right now is a matter of how do I be more human? which has always been the struggle for anyone in a, working in a store, I think. And when you do that well, you get great stories and great stories of, of customers. You're not trying to make them up or buy followers or any of that other garbage. You have genuine stories about that. Again, I'm not sure I know how exactly to answer that, but hopefully that works. <laughs> that works. And that, that just leads me to say today, Bob Phibbs, thanks for being a guest on the Sales Hacks Show. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sales Hacks Show. Learn more about the training and benefits from the Canadian Professional Sales Association at cpsa.com.